Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theatres, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. I'm Sandra and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn and has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. You're listening to All the Shit I've Learned Abroad. I'm Andrea Gillis. And I'm Steph Page. We're two Canadian expats now living in Australia and the UK. Between the two of us, we've been through the ringer in our travels, experiencing missed flights, volcanic eruptions, and even a terrorist attack. It's not all that extreme, though. We've also experienced heartwarming, life-changing moments and met amazing people along the way. So kick back and listen to All the Shit I've Learned Abroad. Hello, welcome to another episode of All the Shit I've Learned Abroad. My name is Andrea, and I'm here with Steph. Hello, hello, Andrea. How's things going in the land down under? Oh, they're going lovely. And I want to kick it off today, actually, by thanking our new Patreon donor. We, Ooh. yeah, we got, we actually got a uh, donation from our friends over at the Mind of Madness podcast. So that was Ooh, yeah. very good podcast. Yeah, that was really exciting. They're one of my favorite true crime podcasts. I listen to them all the time. So huge thank you to them and check them out, of course. Thanks, guys. Mm-hmm. So jumping straight out of that, though, Andrea... I haven't actually talked to you since we recorded the last episode because you've been a little bit MIA. I have been. um, I I think I've I've just recovered from Mm -hmm. uh, a big festival over here in the UK. I was at Glastonbury um, and I got back last Monday and it's taken me, it's what, Sunday, Sunday today. It's taken me almost a full week to Mm -hmm. recover from the beast that is Glastonbury Festival. Yeah, well, and I'm actually excited because I know you've traveled to a number of festivals all around Europe, and I haven't really, I've been to a few, but most of my festival experience is on the business side and the artist side. So, you know, I see your pictures, I watch what you're doing, but I'm actually excited to hear about, you know, traveling around the world for all these huge festivals. And that's why I think we decided to do an episode specifically on that today. It is festival season after all. So... Glastonbury. If I don't, have you read much about Glastonbury? Or have you seen it on TV or anything? To be honest, I've heard of it, but most of the music is yeah. outside the. It's not country, so I don't actually know too much about it. <laughs> That's true. Okay, fair enough. So yeah, Glastonbury is a huge festival over in the UK in in Europe as well. I, I don't know. I don't want to say it's the biggest, but it is up there, probably with the biggest one in Europe. Um, this festival itself spans for four days. It starts on a Thursday, ends on a Sunday. Um, but a lot of people, they start going up usually the Tuesday of the week. So you kind of dedicate a full week almost. So 
So that is almost as long as some people take a whole vacation. Really? Yeah, I mean, to, to go this year, I took a full five days off of work. Um, you know, you have to take into account the Monday after the festival if you're staying over, um, you know, to drive back. And then you always need a little recovery day. So I did book the Tuesday off of work after that as well, mm-hmm. um, which was much needed. I might have even considered the Wednesday as well, but, you know, I didn't want to eat into all my holidays. Um So, you know, we went up on the Wednesday. We took a camper van or like a motorhome Mm -hmm. this year, which was a first. Um, And, yeah, we went up the Wednesday morning and then drove back the Monday Monday morning. Um, And, yeah, it was just a full-on five days. There's hundreds of stages there. There's hundreds of musicians. And, you know, it's not just music either. It's, you know, comedy um they show films there it's it's a festival of contemporary arts mm-hmm. uh, but while you're there it's hard work i would say if you're gonna do a european festival for the first time you know if you're into your festivals glastonbury is a good one but you might want to take baby steps first and find <laughs> some some smaller ones before you do glasto but i mean i would say to anyone who's ever coming over to the uk if you can try to go to glastonbury do it although it is very difficult to get tickets. Now, now, does it sell out right away? I know it's a pretty iconic festival, uh, but sometimes these yeah. big festivals, they have, oh, I don't know how many Glasto is, but some of them have 20, 30, 40, 50,000 people. They sell out that fast. Yeah, Glastonbury, I think this year was one of the biggest years, and I want to say it was somewhere between like 120, 130,000 tickets wow. sold. Now, that's just tickets. Yeah. Then on top of that, you've got, you know, obviously all the volunteers that work, uh, all the crew members, all mm-hmm. the, you know, the artists that are coming. So, I mean, you can imagine how many people are just in this festival ground. And the festival ground itself is on a farm. Um, so it's run, it's, it's almost a 50 year old festival. It's run on a family owned dairy farm, uh, in Somerset in the UK. And going back to your question, does it sell out? It sells out within minutes. Wow. So they basically do, um, they put tickets on sale three separate times starting from October up until April. Mm-hmm. And uh, you basically go online once it's, you know, 9 a.m. or whatever time it is that they're going on sale. You're sitting there refreshing. Yeah. Refreshing, refreshing, refreshing until you can get through. Done that many times. And if you get through, great. If you don't, then you wait for the next set of tickets to go on sale in, in a few months time oh um, and then come April that's when the last set they go on sale and they sell it so it, it does sell out within within minutes I think last year the first set of the round of tickets that went on sale sold out within it was like 10 minutes something like that Jeez. so you can yeah it's everybody wants to go and you also need to you can't just log on and buy tickets you have to register yeah. ahead of time so yeah. you have to make sure that you're registered with like an up-to-date photo you've got your registration number all that yeah i've got i've got a few artists i've bought tickets for who've moved to that process as well now mm. so you mentioned this was your first year taking an rv were you camping every other year did you get an off-site hotel why like why did you so- switch to an rv Glastonbury, it's not, you don't do hotels. Okay. So once you're in the festival grounds, you're in the festival grounds. Okay. Um, the first year we went, we camped. So most, well, I wouldn't say most, but a lot of people, they do camp. You can bring your own tent. Um, you can pay them now to have like a pre-erected tent for you. So some people do that where it's a bit easier. Uh, but the, yeah, the first year we went, 
we brought our own tent, you know, set all of that up ourselves, lugged all of our, our stuff in, um, which is, it's a lot of work again. It's a big farm. So once you get in and you're carrying around a tent and a heavy bag, um, and you know, depending on what you pack for a big festival, which I think we're going to talk a bit about that as well. It can be, it can be a lot of work. Um, So we did that the first year. And then the second year I actually went with work. We actually took clients. So we had a little bit, it was a bit more comfortable. We had, uh, you know, the nice VIP beds to sleep in. We didn't have to carry any of our own stuff. And then this year was the first year that we did, uh, yeah, like an RV which I would say is just as good as the VIP experience. Driving oh. all your stuff in, having a bed to sleep in, <laughs> so it a was shower, good. you know. I know you were a little bit wary. You didn't know how it would go space-wise with people, but it was good then. Because we actually haven't even, we haven't yeah, spoken no. about it since you got back. No, I know. I mean, it was good for me. There were seven of us crammed into one RV. Mm-hmm. Um, I was one of, one of two girls, uh, so I did get my own little bunk in the back because yeah. you know I need my privacy you know some of the boys were a little bit cozy so there was a couple mornings <laughs> we woke up and we looked outside and they were just sleeping out you know under our little gazebo okay um but yeah it was all right and thankfully the weather was good this year when it yeah. rains at Glastonbury which is very common and you can imagine a UK summer you are trudging around in mud which mud, I've yeah. done two Glastonbury's before where it's been hella muddy but this year thankfully the weather gods were upon us and it was sunny and beautiful and it was a scorcher. Uh, it was 30 degrees and could walk around in sandals. So yeah, well, I was going to say jumping in cause you were just talking about packing. I know my first festival I did, my first multi-day festival was at boots and hearts in Canada and my friend mm-hmm. Sandy and I went together and we were two, we're both ideas people, not details. I think I've said it before and we yeah. were like, okay, let's grab a cooler with a couple things. Um, clo- like we were horrible and thank goodness our friends we met there, they just knew we were horrible. We're prepared. Yeah. <laughs> so they were prepared for us to be not prepared and they saved our butts. But, uh, but yeah, packing, it was a learning curve cause I definitely have gotten better yeah. over time. But that first year I didn't even, oh, there's so much I didn't think of. Well, I think for festivals. So I, I, I always say that when I pack for a festival and, and again, Glastonbury is a, it's a big festival and it's for, you know, a few days. Um, but any festival I go to, I, I feel like I always tend to pack more for like a three day festival than I do for, you know, I went to Australia for nearly a month years ago and I took a backpack with me. Yeah. Whereas when I go to Glastonbury, I've got like a massive backpack with all like the clothes you bring. It's for like all weather. You don't know if it rains, you need to make sure that your feet stay dry Uh, You need to have, you know, a proper rain poncho if it does rain. But then if it's hot, you know, you want to make sure you've got summer clothes with you. You want to make sure that you've got sunscreen. There's like an extensive packing list um, Mm -hmm. that Glastonbury always puts out every year saying, here's the essentials that you will need. And it's a pretty big list. And that's only the stuff they're saying, like, you definitely need this. But yeah, it's always, it's tough to pack. Yeah. And I, but I was told for my first festival, which I think is why I underpack so much is that don't take anything you're not comfortable having stolen, like going, not going okay, home. So that's an interesting one. So I was like, well, I guess I'll just bring, you know, one, one pair of tights and a couple tops and some baby wipes. Like, and I <laughs> so did you think people were going to like steal your clothes? Well, I don't know what I thought, but I was prepared for 
everything I took to not go home with it. And of course, no one took a single thing, but I guess it depends. I don't know. Like maybe it depends on the festival as well. Yeah. Because Glastonbury is a very like, you know, sort of free spirited, like hippy dippy. I feel like people are a lot more trustworthy of people there. Like I've never really gone to Glastonbury worried that any of my stuff's going to get stolen. But mm-hmm. yet again, I wouldn't really bring any valuable things with me. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and that said, I wouldn't bring valuables with me anyways. Like I'd bring the essentials. But there are other UK festivals like Reading Festival, which I've been to before. That's a festival I definitely wouldn't want to leave my tent uh, or leave any valuables in a tent. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not as, I wouldn't say it's as trustworthy. I think there's a lot of younger sort of hooligan types (laughs) that go to a festival like Reading. Them hooligans. Um, Don't get me wrong. Reading is still a great festival. Well, it's funny you say that because now that you just jogged my memory, when I went to Stagecoach Festival in California... So Stagecoach happens every year about two weeks after Coachella. And I was talking to some of the security guards who were working uh, the first year I went with a girlfriend. We got a hotel off-site and we were shuttling in. And we were talking to the security guard and they said they so prefer working Coachella weekend. Because since so Mm -hmm. many people, you know, Coachella is known for people doing drugs and those kind of things that they're just kind of in the zone. Like, yeah, they're on drugs, so they're but they're just chill. kind of chilling yeah. out. And whereas country music fans aren't, it's not really a drug scene, but they're drinking heavily. And because they're drinking yeah. heavily, they're getting rowdy. They're getting. That's a good point. Gu- I, I think there's a lot yeah. of festivals like that in, in the UK, the same thing. Um, like I mentioned, you know, Reading Festival is notorious for, yeah, the rowdy drinkers. Don't get me wrong. You know, I still feel like there's probably people taking drugs there. Mm hmm. Whereas, you know, at a Glastonbury, it is, again, people are still drinking, but there's probably more people partaking in sort of recreational drug use. And it is a lot more chilled out, I think. So, yeah, it's like a different crowd, I guess. Um, But again, don't get me wrong. You probably still will have, you know, your rowdy bunch somewhere at at Glastonbury um, and vice versa for, you know, a Reading Festival. So I just I just need to ask and we're kind of segueing. We'll get back to the travel aspect of it shortly. But how do they treat it's a this is a big to do that they're having in Australia, especially New South Wales right now with festivals and drugs that people take at festivals. How does the UK or how is Europe kind of approaching that? That's a good question. I think the whole idea of recreational drug use is still it's still like very taboo over here. But I do think so again, you know, a festival like Glastonbury, they they kind of had have that mentality and that attitude of we know that people are going to take drugs. And so the organizers are very much like if you're going to do it, be safe about it. Um so this year I don't know if this was the first year that they had this, but they actually had like the the medical tents that you could go and test the drugs that you had to make sure that they weren't laced with anything, that they were safe. I've heard of these. Which I feel like this is, yeah, this is something that's, it's starting to become a lot more common. And I think that is the attitude that we all need to have. It's like people are going to take drugs anyways. It doesn't mean they're drug addicts. It doesn't mean that they're going to overdose and die, but it's just being safe about it. And I think more festivals now, and I think Glastonbury has been one of the first, mm-hmm. they are taking that on going, what, we need to take more responsibility than if we're, we're the ones hosting this, yeah. these events where we know that recreational drug use is going to happen. We need to do more to make sure that patrons are safe. People aren't cool. overdosing. So yeah, I believe this year they did. I, I mean, I didn't see any of the tents. And I don't know if they're marked openly like, hey, big sign saying test your drugs here. But 
I know they definitely had, you know, nurses and medical professionals on the site where you could go and, and um, test. So that's, you know, that's a good point. If you are a recreational drug user and you are going to a festival, you should maybe see and find out if there is. And especially if you are going to be buying drugs there again if you're at a a festival that's five days you might you know buy them and there are people that sell them that it it, that's what people do nature of the beast Um, yeah and that's it but if you have somewhere where you can go and check that they are safe safe to consume then maybe find that out ahead of time yeah no i was i was just curious about how that works um to get back to the travel aspect i did have a question for you so because i know you you go into how far was glastonbury from you it's oh, it's probably about a four or five hour drive from London. Okay, so it's a chunk, and yeah. you have, mm. I think there's a festival you used to go to every year in Spain. Like, what other like? Because you do, you go out yes. of country. Yeah, I mean, I'm a big, uh, I'm a big festival goer. I do love a, a festival, and yeah, one of the things I've started trying to do now is, is do festivals outside of the UK, mm-hmm. um, because in Europe they have amazing festivals in so many great cities in so many different countries and yeah one of them I've gone to a couple times now in in Barcelona it's called Primavera Festival and it's essentially like a Glastonbury except uh except in Spain so you're like guaranteed good weather um you know the the artists that play are very similar to those that play at Glastonbury um it's just a big party for like three days and the only big difference with that, though, there's no camping. So you do organize your Airbnb ahead of time, okay? Um, which you want to do ahead of time because it gets very expensive during that period when, when the festival's on. Yep. So, yes, yeah, it's slightly different. It's just a different, I don't know, it's it's a different, yeah, if you're, if you're Airbnb-ing it, staying somewhere really nice and then going into the festival for, for the day <laughs> and going back to stay in a hotel at night, it, it almost, yeah, it does feel quite. Wouldn't it? That'd be such an interesting vibe. I, I'm always so curious because I very rarely now am on the music side of the festival and I'm not saying yeah. that right, but I'm usually working at a festival. Yeah. You're the one working behind the scenes. I'm the one going to the festival. So you're the one standing backstage and I'm like in the crowd, like, Hey Steph. <laughs> I, well, and I, always, <laughs> I always find it. And I never thought about that from the festival goers perspective because being backstage so often now, I'm seeing how now certainly not the artists I work for, but a lot, Mm. you know, artists are on the stage. They're performing in front of, you know, 20 up to you said 120,000 people. And you're on this, you know, this high and all these people are cheering and the noise and then they come off stage and it just stops. And I've always thought that would be such an interesting feeling to try to grapple with as an artist. But I never thought about that even, you know, from the festival goer side, you know, you're there. And yeah, because usually the festivals I've gone to in the past, you'd go back to your campsite and you'd keep partying into the night. Whereas, yeah, if you just leave and, oh, that'd be such a weird feeling. I would, well, I would say like the one in Spain, you definitely go back to, you know, your Airbnb or you might, well, and the other thing, a lot of those festivals, um, I would say most of the festivals in Spain anyways, they go on until like seven o'clock in the morning. So like a band might finish, but then there's (laughs) DJs playing. Yeah. Like it goes on until sunrise kind of thing. I just showed my age. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah, exactly. I'm like, I'm still in bed. The last artist is done and I'm in bed. (laughs) No. Well, and that's in, so, so again, like a UK festival versus a Spanish festival in the UK. Yeah. The bands they'll finish at. You know, they'll finish early, but again, they'll still have stuff going on until three or four in the morning. In Spain, it's like seven, eight o'clock in the morning, and that's when it finishes. Then you go back, you sleep for a few hours, 
and then you do it all over again. But oh you start gosh. a bit later. You might start at like 4 p.m. That makes me so tired just thinking about it. Yeah. Let alone doing it. But it's it. like you said. It, yeah. I mean, it is exhausting. But even what you said about, you know, artists, uh, you know, when they come off stage and they're on such a high. I mean, it's kind of the same when you go home from a, from a, a big festival. You've spent four or five days surrounded by people, um, seeing some of your favorite artists and, and uh, just basically partying for five days and being on this high and then you come home and there is this thing called the Glastonbury come down where it takes you know you come back and you're kind of just back to normal life and it takes a few days as I said it it took me almost a week to just feel kind of normal again oh geez I didn't even know there was an they have an actual term for it oh yeah And, and everyone you can tell when you look around you know you go home you look around London and you can see everyone. Some people they'll leave like their Glastonbury bracelets on for yeah you know, a, a few weeks after, and you and you just can look them in the eye, and you're like, I know what you're going through. I feel for you. <laughs> <Aww>. <laughs> yeah, but it's uh yeah, it's kind of the I'd say it's the same thing for festival goers. You know, it's you have to be mentally prepared as well. I think for uh, for a big festival, for the for the all the ups and then all the downs that come <laughs> when it's done. Jeez. Yeah. <laughs> um, wow. Okay. So you're home. Do you have, are you going anymore soon? So I have no other big festivals planned oh. for this year. I think because I did Glastonbury, I'm like, that's my one big one this year. But, you know, I feel like day festivals are, they're becoming more of a thing now. So I think since I've, I've lived over in the UK, it's been almost nine years now. And I think over the last, I don't know, maybe four or five years, just in London alone, at any given weekend, you can find a day festival going on in the city, which I, you know, I feel like wasn't as common when, when we first moved here. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know if that's like in, in Melbourne, is it kind of the same? Can you always find something going on? Like, yeah, they definitely have a number of them always going on here. You hear about them all throughout the summer. And I think that's really mm-hmm. more the model here than these epic three, four five days festivals. Yeah. yeah. Because mm-hmm. um, even though, like, Melbourne's pretty metropolitan, but Australia, its population is relatively small for its size. Um, you know, so these massive, and obviously Australia being where it is, you're not going to get people coming from out of country in. Uh, so those day festivals are really the model here where everything seems to be going to. Because you hear, and, oh, this is crazy. So you hear about these festivals, too, and a lot of people... So you really have to be careful of first-time festivals. And I so feel bad for entrepreneurs who really want to put these together. I mean, in the past year, everyone in the world, I think, saw, you know, that Netflix special on Fire Festival and what a nightmare it was. Oh, so good. If you haven't watched it yet, watch it because it's amazing. (laughs) And it's it's mind-blowing. But even we just had our own little, I don't want to call it a Fire Festival, but a huge festival that was going on in Ontario was just canceled, Um, Mm. you know, and it had this amazing lineup and it was canceled one week beforehand. And this is why I would say to people, you know, if you're going out to a festival, especially out of state, out of country, you know, every time you buy tickets, I look at the cancellation insurance and I always look at it from the perspective of, well, I'm not going to not go. And if I can't go, I'll just sell my ticket. But you never think, but of what if the happens? event gets canceled? This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad. And I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you 
everything that you need for a salon quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive in June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive in June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Well, and that's it. And that's something I've never really thought of either. Again, I feel like a lot of the festivals I've done over in Europe, they are quite established festivals. And, mm-hmm. But only for the, for the first time this year, um, for Glastonbury, I actually bought the, uh, the cancellation insurance or whatever it was. And I think it was an extra five pounds. And I did that oh, because I actually had – it's not bad at all. And I booked – I had booked tickets to um, Primavera Festival a couple years ago. Um, and I actually couldn't go. And that was the first time that I had bought tickets for something out of, you know, out of the country where I couldn't go. And I didn't buy cancellation insurance, nothing. Thankfully, I was able to sell my, my ticket. So I use the site uh, StubHub. And yeah. which is, I mean, if you, if you do have to sell tickets or if you're looking to buy tickets off people, make sure that you are using a reputable uh, site for it. Don't buy and sell on like a Craigslist or a Kijiji um, definitely use StubHub. I think there's what's the other one, Steph? In Australia, they have Ticketek, but I doubt that's the one you're thinking of. Yeah, I mean, probably not that. But they have loads of different. In the UK, I think StubHub is the one that most people use. And anyways, mm-hmm. I was able to put my ticket up there. I sold it within a few minutes. Um, but because of that, I you know, th- again, thankfully I could sell it. But I was like, shit, if I wasn't able to sell it, and I didn't buy this insurance, I was going to lose out on like almost two hundred pounds. Um, so, you know, it is like you said, something to think of if a festival does get canceled, um, or something happens, or, uh, if, if you haven't taken that into account, it's no different than buying insurance for a flight or whatever it might be. Um, make sure you are covered for that because obviously yeah. festival tickets, they're not cheap either. I mean, look at, again, looking back at fire festival, the amount of money these people spent, I mean, granted, they were all millionaires anyways, but... Well, and I'll tell you, so this festival that was canceled in Ontario, it was called Roxidus, and they had the... So the lineup was like Kid Rock, Nickelback, Leonard Skinner, Alice Cooper, Collective Soul. What a lineup! Billy Idol. Like, it was a solid lineup of artists, (laughs) though. And these people are not getting refunds. 
essentially. It's pretty clear. And it was it's so shady what they're doing. So as soon as they announced the cancellation, all reference to refunds disappeared from their website. And these these people are out all their money. And a friend of mine, even he's a photographer. So he was scheduled. Mm -hmm. He had six of his team scheduled to film it, create content from it. You know, all those videos you see from the weekend and the after promo they do. He was hired for that. He's out $18,000. And part of it is because there's all those other things. It's not just your lost wages. It's the travel you booked, any deposits you paid for, Mm -hmm. any flights to get to the event, like all those other things. You know, it adds up. So I say to anyone, these first first year festivals, you know, get the insurance for sure. Oh, definitely. I mean, you should get it anyways. Yeah. And the other thing is I can't stop looking at this from the artist perspective because obviously I work for a major artist and we book all of our travel to these kind of events usually about three weeks before because usually it's quite last minute then, right? Well, well, we don't really see that as last minute. So three weeks right. is usually a good lead time to book the travel because th- three weeks, if there's, if it's going to be canceled, there's usually indications before that. But this mm. one week thing is just, yeah, it's blowing so my maybe, mind that it, though, that, that can still happen. Well, and maybe that's a good tip though, as well though, you know, if you are looking to do a festival out of, out of the country, if you have to fly to, so again, you know, if I go to Spain for this festival, I mean, I've never, I usually do book my flights well in advance but maybe now i'd maybe wait a couple weeks before i mean granted prices are obviously going to be a little bit higher then but Mm -hmm. i don't know like because a flight would you get your cancellation or would you get that refunded for an event that's canceled you know an event you you know that's that's actually a good tip where maybe we should start doing it like the artists do and wait a couple weeks before the festival actually happens to make sure that it, it is actually still going on. Book your flights then. If you're willing to spend a bit of extra money. But you know, again, if you're in Europe, then flights are pretty cheap anyway. So, <laughs> Well, but, uh, you know, for, for people in North America, flights are not cheap. And I know a number of people who mm-hmm. actually had gotten... Um, Eric Church was going to be performing on Good Morning America. And tons of people yeah. had bought... Or the Today Show. I don't remember. But uh, tons of people I, that I that I know had bought tickets to go to New York and see them tape. So the fact that so they bought it and then he can't he had a health issue. I mean, it was a very legitimate reason that to cancel. Yeah. But you know, all these people it, that doesn't qualify for cancellation insurance. And thankfully, shout out to our church fans; they're the best people ever. But so they all just you know made plans, got together, regardless, saw New York. Like they had to make the best of it because they were already going there. They had the time off. They paid for the flights. Uh, so you just kind of need to have that right attitude, I guess, when because yeah. shit goes wrong. It does. It can happen. Now I'm kind of jumping here from what I just said, but I'm actually pretty envious of the festivals you've done. I've only really done, you know, I've done some day festivals and you and I actually mm-hmm. went to Mighty Hoopla together in London last year. Yes, that um, was a great, that's a new, amazing day festival London puts on. Oh, I, I had <laughs> it's the, so much fun. I had the best time running around yeah. trying to meet all the other artists. Um, yes. And you laughing at me for it. But um, <laughs> that, I've gone to kind of some, not local, but within a few hours, country festivals. Well, I've never done the big to-do. So I think... In the UK, there there really is nothing like a UK oh. multi-day festival. Like, I, I feel like they're kind of the... The UK has been the big pioneers. I know there was Woodstock back in the day. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but there's nothing like I, I remember even before I lived in the UK and I, I used to work in radio and I worked for like an alternative rock station in Toronto and we'd always read about all these big festivals. So there's Reading Festival, there's Tea in the Park in Scotland. Um, and these were like iconic festivals that we'd read about and like all of our favorite artists were playing there. There's a lot of history. Reading Festival, Nirvana played, I think like one of their first big festival sets there. So you read about all of these. And then when I when I moved here, I was like, right, I'm going to go to all of these festivals. And I did. And the first big UK festival I did was, it was Tea in the Park. Um, and it's up in Scotland. Uh, it rained for the entire five days we were there. Mm-hmm. We were trudging around in like a lake of mud the whole time. I had a, you know, wore a, a poncho the whole time. We didn't shower, nothing. And it was so much fun. And then I did Reading, I think, the first time that year. And I've done Reading a few times now. Same thing. And then it's actually funny. So, you know, I was telling all my friends back home, like, oh, yeah, I did Tea in the Park. I did Reading Festival. And they're like, oh, my God, that's so amazing. These iconic festivals. And then you speak to people that are actually from the UK. And they're like, oh, Tea in the Park and Reading? Like, those are the really, like, scuzzy festivals here. <laughs> like, and they, and they were, you know, people laughed at me that I went to these festivals. And I'm like, but you guys have no idea. Like, outside of the UK. Like, it's it's kind of like, yeah, they don't know. They don't realize, like, how iconic these festivals are. Yeah. Um, whereas, you know, Glastonbury is Glastonbury. And it, it will always be held on this, like, pedestal. But Reading and Tea in the Park. And now, again, that I've gotten a bit older... I, I do kind of look at them and I see what they mean. They are just a bit, they're rowdier. It's a much younger crowd. It just, things get a little bit more Ooh. carried away at those two. <laughs> I just remembered, and I don't know how I forgot this until now. I went to a festival in Australia last year here. And mm-hmm. it's called the Denny Ute Muster. That must okay. be the rowdiest festival Someone yeah. snuck in. You can only you can only camp in the general camping area if you have a truck, which they call a Ute here. Right. And someone snuck in a station wagon, and it parked beside us. And they security taped all around it, um, about twenty feet on each side, so that they could blow it up that night. That and we like Reading Festival. Oh, <laughs> we were we were dying. We're like that. There is no guarantee that little like I mean that caution tape wasn't doing shit to save us. Yeah. When that car blew up and it was the whole night, it was cars, utes backfiring and people setting tires into bonfires and yeah. explosions and people throwing propane tanks into their fires. Like it was God. the wildest thing I've ever seen. That sounds more like a UK festival than what you sort of hear about. Like, again, you oh hear about a Glastonbury being like hippy dippy. Everyone's in love. A Reading festival is that like everyone always jokes if you go to Reading, don't expect to take your tent back home because someone's gonna light it on fire like that's what <laughs> happens at Reading festival so it was funny when i was going to all these like uk festivals and all my friends back home they're like oh my god that's so cool and then all my brit friends here were like oh my god why are you going to Reading festival like <laughs> are you crazy like are you okay so um, are you saying yeah, you've fun. now it's- become a little bit of a snob festival is that what you're saying a, a snob festival. festival? That- <laughs> I meant to say a festival. A snob? festival snob. <laughs> um, I wouldn't say I'm a festival snob. Don't get me wrong. Reading still always has a really good lineup. Um, I'm still into my music, and that's the other thing. I still like to go to a festival for the music. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of people that uh, you can do Glastonbury and never see a band or artist play because it's not just about that. Yeah. 
Um, but that's personally, that's why I like to go to a festival. So I would still definitely go to like Reading for the day. You can buy day tickets for that. Would I stay over in a tent at Reading Festival? Absolutely not. Um, I just think I'm a bit too old for that now. And also I, you know, I like my sleep at the end of the night. Um, yeah. and you know, you're not going to get that at Reading. So I would still go, I would definitely still go if there was someone I really wanted to see. Reading's not that far from London. So I wouldn't say I'm a snob, but like, I feel like I've just, I've, I've been to these festivals a few times and like, I've now seen the things that my British friends talk about and I'm like, Oh, I see how this is like the rowdy. Um, but no, I would definitely still go because I'm in it for the music, man. (laughs) (laughs) I I'll admit I've become a bit of a festival snob in the way that I'm now used to being backstage working or in the VIP when my artist is done. So now, no, I have a hard time going to festivals now. I do. Well, would you rather be like, if there's an artist you really like, would you rather not be like in the crowd enjoying it from there? Yeah. I mean, I'm still going to go. I'm still going to go regardless. So I, I mean, I always have fun, but because of what I've become accustomed to with work, I'm always a little bit like, yeah, I know what you mean. And especially you've done the big festivals. (laughs) So we talked about packing, but we didn't really talk about anything specific. Like what? What What we pack for a festival. Um, Shall I go through my packing list? I mean, how much time do we have? No, No, I won't go go through everything. But just to give you an idea, though, in terms of packing for a UK festival. So number one, regardless what the weather says, you always bring a pair of wellies or like rubber boots, however you call them. Mm Mm-hmm. You do not go to a UK festival without a good pair. So I'll tell you that the first year I went to Tea in the Park, which was my first big UK festival. And I took a pair of wellies that I bought from Primark. If anyone knows the shop Primark in the UK, it's very cheap goods. There's some very fashionable stuff there, but you can buy stuff for hella cheap. I got a pair of rubber boots for, it was like 10 pounds. It's like Ross for people in the States. It's their Ross. Yeah. Exactly. So cheap. So I bought these rubber boots. I went to tea in the park. It was raining for days. We were wading around in in mud, like not even kidding you, like almost up to our knees. Those boots lasted me about 10 minutes before they leaked and my feet were soaking wet. So thankfully at this festival and most of the UK festivals, you'll have stalls there where you can buy camping stuff and whatever, for like emergencies. They were selling Dunlop, proper Dunlop, wellies like these are like farmer boots that you know they that people wear properly like out on when they're working on farms and they were selling those and they actually weren't too expensive I think they were about 20 pounds but so worth it so I got a pair of those and they lasted me the the rest of the the four or five days and then when I got home I invested in a good pair of hunters so got mine on sale for about 50 pounds they're not cheap Mm -hmm. but they have lasted me years so Number one, yes, a pair of a good pair of wellies. Do not get a pair of cheap rubber boots. You need a good pair. Mm. And then you need to you need a good rain poncho as well. So there's nothing worse than being out uh, at a festival and it starts to rain <laughs> and you're soaking wet. Yeah. And one thing I'll say, if you have a raincoat, I would suggest do not buy the ones with the buttons down the front because they are not like sealed completely. So your front is still going to get wet. So I had oh, that one year at a festival where that's smart. I didn't even think of that. Front, I actually find what works best is just one of the cheap little plastic ponchos that you can put over your clothes Yeah, and they keep you dry and you can move in them and they're easy to carry around. So just invest in, it doesn't have to be expensive. 
You don't need a fashionable, like, rubber raincoat or whatever. Literally everyone walks around wearing ponchos here with, like, the hoods up, and it's fine. So those are, those are like, two essentials for uh, a UK festival. And then the other bits are just standard. You need sunscreen because, again, if you're... <sighs> yes, you know, and that is what I always it, forget. Yes, that's, it's the little things like that. Yeah, that's on the list of the things my friends were like, here, Steph, we knew you wouldn't remember. Yeah. Um, also, um... Things like toilet paper, because a lot of the time, again, if you're at a four or five day festival, they're going to run out. It's nice to have your own to be able to, you know, when you do your business. Or baby wipes, I find. Yeah. And I was going to say baby wipes, but now make sure you buy the biodegradable ones. And that's another thing. Like festivals now, they are becoming a lot more environmentally conscious. So Glastonbury this year, this was the first year they actually didn't sell plastic water bottles. Oh, nice. And they, told all fest- and they told all festival goers, you bring a reusable water bottle and they have kiosks around, you know, the whole festival where you can fill up. But they, they said, we're not selling plastic because, you know, we have a responsibility. We've already fucked up the planet enough as it is. So yeah. they're like, there's no reason that everyone can't bring a water bottle. And I think they estimated that they didn't sell, it was something like one or two million bottles Jesus. just in that, that four days. So um, David Attenborough was there this year and he went up on stage and gave a big speech about, you know, Aww. how great everyone was and saving the planet. But yeah, but going back to what you pack, if you are going to bring baby wipes, yes, they are great to have, but get the biodegradable ones. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, just things like bring a hat, bring warm clothes at night. That's, for that's if you are camping. That's my other thing I always forget because in Canada, they throw most festivals in the summer when it's you know 30 degrees celsius which is yes, about when it's very hot yeah and so i always dress accordingly during the day and i pack during the day and then the first night it always gets cool and i don't even have a sweater and thank goodness for my friends yeah. one of them is like here's steph we should put together like steph and andrea's essential festival packing list and post it somewhere. <laughs> we might as well call it andrea's packing list because okay, i'll we'll be like my packing <laughs> i always bring flip-flops i don't even bring any other shoes like and one's always broken by the end of the weekend, so I'm barefoot driving yeah. on the way home. Like, I mean, I have my my <laughs> my standard Glastonbury one. Again, the festival themselves they put one out, mm-hmm. you know, on their website with the basics. But I have like an extensive one um, that I can I usually share with people that are going to like a big festival for their first time. Um, so yeah, I don't know. We can post that somewhere. Yeah, but, definitely. Uh, there's just a lot of things you need to remember to take with you. You are basically going on vacation for. A few days. Well, so, and, and here's the thing. It's so when we talked about doing this episode, we're like, oh, is it travel? But it is. And people take, like you said, their week's vacation time from work to yeah. go. Like it is people's vacation. Yeah. Whether it's two hours away or, you know, two hour flight away or even further. It's your yeah. vacation nonetheless. I just got really passionate yeah. there. <laughs> yeah. Festival season, guys. We're we're in it. What are we what are we taking away from this then stuff? Well, I think we're taking away I know we jumped around a little bit, but first and foremost, people got different options for festivals, like weekend festivals, five day festivals, you know, one day festivals. How are you gonna get there? Are you gonna R V? Are you gonna drive down? Do you have to fly there? Are you gonna are you gonna be camping? Are you gonna be in an R V? Are you gonna be in an Airbnb? I mean there are options. There's options the same way as any trip you take. Uh, it's just yeah. kind of your sightseeing is the festival. 
and then yeah, figure out what you prefer, what you like. Yeah. And there's a, there's a festival out there for everyone. I'd be so curious to hear from people who've been because you're big into you've gone to a lot of these big ones. I've gone to a lot of country festivals, or I've worked a lot of R and B festivals. Mm. Yeah, I'd be so curious to uh, to hear from people who go to you know a little harder metal ones because I mean every festival is a different experience. You have a different crowd, a different vibe for sure. Yeah, I'd be so curious to hear from people. Like maybe there's. Also, maybe there's some festivals we've never heard of that are like, you know, I feel like I do hear a lot of about the ones in Europe, but there's so many new ones now. So if anyone has gone to like a new, really awesome festival, we want to hear. From let you. me know, because mm-hmm. I mean, I want to hear about it because I might want to go. <laughs> and then also be wary if you be smart, if you're going for the first time or if this is the first time the festival happens, you know. Check out that get maybe get that tick ticket cancellation insurance when you're buying it. You know, if you're yeah. getting an Airbnb, know the refund policy on that. And if you're getting flights to a festival, again, if it's like a first time one, if if you're not sure if it will actually go on, if it might be canceled, maybe wait to book your flights. Mm-hmm. And I will say the best indicator that I found both work wise and personally of a festival is if it's going to happen is how well they communicate with you. So Mm, that's a good point. Yeah. So if the organizers are responsive, they're giving you information and they're really on top of it. That's an indication of how well the festival organization and planning is going behind the scenes. If they're not responding, if things are really quiet, this festival, this Roxidus festival that was just canceled. What I'm hearing from a lot of the people that were going to be going was that they had an inkling these past couple weeks because everything seemed silent. So they weren't getting right. responses and they got, they got a hit. They got the hint. Yeah. And that's the thing. So when it was announced, although it was a shock to everybody, there were people who were like, I just had a feeling a few weeks ago. So mm. I feel like I say it in every single episode, no matter what we're talking about, but trust your gut too. If you feel like something's up. And if you haven't yet watched the fire festival documentary, cause yes. you'll see what <laughs> we mean. I mean, it's so good. It's so entertaining to watch anyways. It's on Netflix. Yeah. And then just pack appropriately, you know, use common sense, you know, and really it's a lot of the safety stuff like sunscreen, weather protection, you know, people think it's nice out. So they're planning for one thing. You need to plan for everything. You need to plan for all seasons, especially if you are doing festivals where you're camping and you won't be leaving the festival grounds for, you know, a few days. Be prepared. Everything. And don't trust the weather forecast. <laughs> Whatever no, never. it says. Ugh. Just assume that it's going to do the opposite. I feel like that's a lesson you learned the hard way once. Great. Well... I hope everyone has a wonderful festival season. Mm-hmm. And again, we'd love to, if you are going to any festivals or you've been to any really amazing ones, let us know. Yeah. Drop us, us a line. Send us your tips and tricks. Like we always say, be safe. What do we say? Be organized. <laughs> be happy. Oh, it works for this episode, doesn't it? <laughs> wonderful. Uh, I feel like this is going to work for every episode. So great slogan. Okay. <laughs> All the Shit I've Learned Abroad is a travel podcast focused on anything and everything related to travel. You can listen to us on multiple platforms from iTunes to Google Play Music and more. And with that, please, if you have a chance, give us a five-star review on iTunes or whatever platform you listen on. That drives us up the charts and really, really helps us out. Want to support us on Patreon? Find us over at Shit I've Learned Abroad Pod. And donations start as low as just $1. Also, if you could follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Shit Abroad Pod and Facebook by searching all the shit I've learned abroad. Thanks so much for listening. Hold up. 
Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.